So why don't we get your Bibles out or on your phone, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and um, we're going to read some scripture together. If you would stand with me as we read scripture, that would be awesome. Acts is in the New Testament, kind of in the beginning part of it, and we're going to look at the first chapter. So let's read together. You can follow along as I read. And I am reading from the NIV version. Acts chapter 1, we're going to focus on three verses, but I want to read some of the verses before and then one verse afterwards. So verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, this is who he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And these are the verses that we're going to concentrate on this morning. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, thank you for um, everyone that is here. God, I believe in the deepest part of who I am that you have purposed that everyone that is here this morning be here. And I'm not sure why, God, but you know why. And whether it's to connect with someone, whether it's to grant, to give, to be receiving encouragement from someone, God, whether it's to pray with someone or it's to hear your word, God, they're here for a reason. And I pray that, God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning from your word, from, your, from the examples that um, are given to us, God, in the Bible. Help us to... to um, Lay aside, God, if we can this morning, the things that are distracting us, whether it be work or just life in general, God, and help us to um, focus intently on what you want us to hear this morning. God, I pray not only that, but that we would leave and God give us the strength and power to be obedient to whatever that truth um, that is stuck in our brain right now or at the end, God, and help us to be obedient to that. So, God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So it's good to be back with you after being gone a week. Um, Janet and I were not here last Sunday. Travis did a great job communicating with you from the Old Testament concerning specifically uh, Abraham and his life and um, continuing on our series called In Transit, where we've looked at a lot of different characters in the Bible and, and how they dealt with uh, these transitions in their life and 
whether it be prosperity, whether it be persecution, whether it be trials, or whatever it might be, but how did they deal with that as a follower um, of God, as an adopted son, adopted daughter? Um, how did they deal with it? So we've looked at three of them. We've looked at uh, Job, we've looked at Daniel, we've looked at Abraham, and we're going to look at another um, set of people this morning. But I want us to think about uh, expectations. I mean, this is what expectations is, right? It's a strong belief that something will happen um, or, or it will be the case in the future. So like last night, for instance, my wife and I went out to eat and it was a nice restaurant and we went um, and the, the uh, oh, what do you call the person that tells you how long your wait's going to be? That person. There you go. There you go, too. Um, they, she said... 40 minutes, long time, but we got it for 20, so I, my expectation was met, right, and exceeded, that was awesome, we sat down, the special was, I'm not going to say what it was, but it was something that was delicious, and it was a little bit pricey, and I said, okay, I'll do that, and my expectation was, it was going to be awesome, but my expectation, when reality hit, it was different. <laughs> My expectations of pure reality was somewhere here. And it was just different, right? And that happens to us a lot. Whether we're a, a little kid, a child, and it's on vacation, you know, we may have grand ideas of what our vacation is going to be like, and then when reality hits, there's this gap. Or um, when you're a 16-year-old and you get that car and you just are driving in that license and you just have this freedom, Right? And then mom and dad goes, hey, why don't you take your brother to soccer practice? Or, hey, why don't you go pick up, go to the store and get some groceries? Or, you know, and then pretty soon that expectation and reality, ah, there's a difference, right? Man, I didn't know I had to do all this stuff. Or when we graduate from high school and we're all excited to go to college and that freshman year hits and that first semester is awesome and then the second semester is kind of, yeah, and then sophomore year hits and like, oh, man, I got to study. That's not good. Right? Or when uh, college is done and, man, I'm done with school now. I don't have to do any more school and get that first job. And, oh, man, I got to do this every day from 8 to 5 or 8 to 2 or whatever it might be. Or marriage, right? <laughs> Enough said about that. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you still love me, honey? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's a good sermon when somebody says, aw. I like it. Or kids, um, midlife, retirement, numerous things, right? Our expectation can be something, and then when, it, when reality hits, um, it's just something different. Or maybe it's when you decided to come to a certain church. Or to hit even closer to home. Maybe it's uh, the expectation you had when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And you had this expectation of what it was going to be like as an adopted son, as an adopted daughter. Maybe you've heard from someplace, somewhere, somehow. Or maybe it's just something that you wished that your life was going to be continually awesome from this point forward. And you were not going to have any health problems. 
You're going to have all the dreams that you had in your brain laid out for you. And then reality comes. And the expectation of God and what he was going to do for you is different. And you go, what happened? Right? All we have to do is look in the news and just recently, right, Redding, California and the massive fires and the loss of life and the loss of property. And you go, what in the world is going on? Or the uh, boat incident in Branson, near Branson. and Horrible. Now, I just watched a um, short video clip from Jim Kelly, who was a professional quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, an awesome man of God. And they were just kind of, in a very quick clip, recounting his story. And he had a daughter, and then he had a son, and he was just dreaming, right? The expectations of having a son, that he was going to grow up and be a quarterback, and and all these good things that he was going to do. And then his son was diagnosed with a particular disease at 14 months, I believe. And he wasn't going to make it. And he ended up surviving, you know, through eight and a half years and ended up dying. And then on top of that, he um, later on in life um, contracted or has oral cancer. And now he's been through, this is the third time that um, he's had a relapse and he was just sharing his story. And it was just incredible, right? The expectations that he had and then reality hit. But yet, what he said at the end was just amazing. And it's what we're going to get to. It's what we've been saying this whole series of In Transit. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where your expectations were not met in your life. I mean, how did you deal with it? Some like to ignore it. Some go to some kind of an addiction. And we see that all over. That quick fix that doesn't satisfy. And we have to re-up and re-up and re-up. Some use distraction whatever that might be. As long as I can keep myself distracted and keep myself busy, I don't have to think about what's really going on inside of me. And I believe that this is what this series is all about for us. I mean, it's realizing that this, what's happening, we said that time is relentless, and I'm just more and more ingrained with just the relentlessness of time. It just keeps going forward, and we can't stop it. And it affects all of us. And it has since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden. And it's going to continue until God says he is done, and it's finished, and Jesus comes back, and takes those that are his sons and, or his brothers and sisters, God's sons and daughters, and takes them back into heaven. What we're trying to do, though, is to get help from those uh, characters in the Bible. 
that have dealt with a variety of things that are very similar to what we're dealing with. And it's recorded for us in the Bible. And this is how they dealt with it. This is what they did. And it's been very helpful. I want you to know up front that the premise that we have going on in this series is that, that you are a follower of Christ, that we're talking to those that who are a follower of Christ, that are an adopted son, or they are an adopted daughter. And this is how we go about navigating our life on this earth when stuff comes into our life. Um, like the first week that we talked about Job. I mean, what was the saying or what was going on in Job's life? Just kind of shoot out some things if you can remember about his story. He had a lot of loss in his life. What's that? Sickness. He had great wealth that he lost. Perseverance. So that was our saying, right? And what's been that one phrase that's been consistent that we've talked about the, all the last three weeks and then we've kind of changed the last part of it, but our faith doesn't have to be what? Our faith does not have to be pretty. That's what we've been saying. We see that in Job. We're going to see it in, or we saw it in Daniel. We saw it in Abraham and we're going to see it in the group that we're going to talk about this morning, the disciples. And so with Job, we said our faith doesn't have to be pretty, but it does need to persevere, right? What about Daniel? What was going on in Daniel's life, if you remember? What's that? He was taken, right? As a young man, as a teenager, he was ripped away from his home, and he was asked to serve, right, in, in, in the king's court. What else? He was thrown into the lion's den later on in his life. Because why? What's that? Because he was, he was favored. Okay. He was faithful. Favored, faithful. And so he experienced what in his life? He experienced the, 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 the ripping away from his family, which was really persecution. And then as he gained favor in the king's eyes and God really gave that to him, he also had prosperity, right? And so he said with Daniel that our faith doesn't have to be pretty, <clears throat> and it wasn't with him, but it does need to be what? Consistent through persecution or prosperity. And so there's a different test, right? We, can, we tend to go to God when there's something going on in our world, but when we have prosperity, we tend to Shove God aside. Well, I don't need to pray as much. I don't need to read my Bible as much. I don't need to be part of a church family as much. And I think there's a, almost a greater test in prosperity than it is in persecution. And then Abraham, Travis talked about last week. What about Abraham, do you remember? He was obedient. Is patient. He was what? Tested. Travis, you want to do a little relapse on your sermon? He made mistakes. He made mistakes. There you go. <clears throat> What's that? He followed first and then he trusted. And so with, with Abraham, we see that our faith doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, we saw that in his life, right? But... It does, need to be, it does need to move forward 
kind of what Dennis just said, that he followed, um, he made that step without really knowing what was on the other side, right? Sometimes we want to take that first step, but we want to know what two and three, three and four, four and five, five and six are going to be like before we're going to take that step from one to two. And really, it doesn't have, our faith doesn't have to be pretty, but it does need to move forward. So when God says, I want you to take that step from one to two, and you're not going to know what the rest of the steps are, how are you going to be obedient to that? And so today we're going to look at um, a group called the Disciples. I mean, who were they? They were disciples, and that definition is really a, uh, a student or a learner of someone or something. And these were people who followed Jesus while he did his public ministry on this earth. And we, we see that Jesus had this really close-knit group of about three, and then of the 12, there was eight, and there was one that Judas, right, that didn't betray him. And then he had a little larger circle that followed him, and then there was even a larger circle more of that. And those were all his disciples. And, and really, if you were to think about Jesus as a priest, and they, you know, all the priests then had disciples, but they were probably picked the best of the, the learned lot, per se, and that's who they were trained to be in the temple. But Jesus' disciples, as we read in God's word, were, were at best described a motley crew, right? That they, um, uh, fishermen, tax collector who was despised during that day, and, and really just everyday people um, that began to follow him. And they followed him as their Messiah, and as they were following him, he began to write shape and inform them to be like him. Not only when they followed him were they shaped and formed, but they were also challenged. They were continually being challenged to, to, what, to, to do what he did and to be obedient to what he was teaching. And the disciples had assumptions and expectations about the Messiah and what he was supposed to do and what he was supposed to look like. And I don't know about you, but what kind of assumptions or expectations do you have or did you have about who God is? Maybe you still do. About Jesus and about being an adopted son, an adopted daughter, or what even a disciple is supposed to look like. For the disciples, I mean, we could go on and on about the things that he challenged them with, but a big one was racism. In Luke 10, 25 through 37, the Good Samaritan story, Jesus lays it out pretty plain for them. That's not something that needs to be a part of who they are. It's not going to be something that's indicative of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Self-righteousness. We see in Mark 10, 37, where James and John are asking Jesus if they could sit at his right hand. He goes, well, it's not for me to say who gets to do that. God in heaven gets to do that. 
I want you to focus on, and he goes on and kind of does this, um, that's kind of a stupid question, but in a nice way. <laughs> and then unbelief, right? We see in, in Mark 4:40 where Jesus is in the boat with them and the storm comes and they're freaking out and he wakes up and he calms the storm and he goes, well, why are you, where is your faith? Why are you choosing to not believe? And there's so many other things, right, that we could talk about that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But here's one that's a constant correction that, that Jesus had to bring to his disciples. And it was concerning the nature of, God's, of his kingdom that God was going to put on the earth. And the role of the Messiah in that kingdom. For, for these Jews, the Messiah that they had grown up and been taught was, and what they thought was this, was this military king that was going to uh, completely wipe out the Romans and establish his national kingdom on earth. And you can see as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that throughout his ministry, Jesus' ministry that is, the disciples repeatedly tried to align Jesus with this expectation that they had about this kingdom that was going to be um, brought to fruition on the earth and that Jesus was going to be king. You even see it when, when Jesus was arrested and Peter cut off um, the ear and then Jesus healed that soldier in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you'll read that, you'll see a sense of surprise in the disciples. And then in our text this morning in Acts 1, 6 through 8, here we see Jesus has, had been um, persecuted and he died on the cross and he rose again and he had spent all this time with them saying, hey, I'm alive, here I am, and all this proof. And right before God was going to take him up into heaven, right before that moment, you see the disciples asking him when he was, <clears throat> when he was going to set up his kingdom. They were thinking, right, when is this going to happen? And Jesus told them, listen, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit because you're going to be my witnesses to the world. Because, see, he wasn't concerned about setting up a particular powerful kingdom on this earth right then. It's all about <clears throat> God is redeeming the earth slowly. I mean, the entire Bible is this redemptive narrative from Genesis to Revelation and it continues on to today and beyond. It's the story of the fall of humanity. This is the gospel and the work of God to redeem humanity in the world. And it continues in this day throughout our churches, through this church and through you. I mean, we live... We live in an instant culture, and I know that's nothing new. But I can remember growing up, and there's really nothing that's more instant, right, than a microwave. And when I was a senior in high school, <clears throat> which was a long time ago, uh, we got our first microwave. And I can remember it distinctly. We went to the store. We picked it up. It was on a Saturday. And... Um, lived in a Mennonite, there's this um, bread thing called Twaybuck 
that looks like a, uh, a snowman with the head cut off. So it's just, <laughs> right? They're <laughs> so good. But we spent all day, I- I'm not kidding, all day microwaving these tway and putting peanut butter and jelly on them and eating them. And then we graduated to hot dogs. This was amazing to us. We hot dogs in the microwave. I know I sound really old, but I swear this is true. We put hot dogs in the microwave and bam, they were hot and good and ketchup and nothing else, but just ketchup, right? And a bun, and we ate 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 till we were sick. But we are so used to instant entertainment, right? Um, I want things now. And we get this opportunity to live stream things. And if there's any kind of hiccup in the live stream, whether it's on our mobile device or our iPad or whatever it might be, which to me is just amazing, but if there's any kind of hiccup, we go, ah, oh, what's going on? Right? We have become so accustomed to um, the instant that we, we might wonder why after Adam and Eve were created that, you know, in Maybe chapter 4, chapter 5, God just didn't say, Jesus, be born, and, and you die, and then he rose again, and then chapter 10, you know, I'm going to come back, and then that's it. But he didn't do that, and it's taking a long time, right? This redemption is happening, and he has this plan, and, and nobody knows how it's going to or when it's going to end, And so there's these no quick fixes for sin and its disastrous results in the world. Which is why we have the things that we have happening, it it seems like, to no respecter of people. But here's the thing, right? We know that God is not a microwave kind of God. And this may sound hokey, but I don't care. Right? God is like someone who cooks a good home-cooked meal. And I am fortunate enough to marry uh, a young lady who loves to cook home-cooked meals. And maybe you can tell. I don't know. Don't laugh. Just messing with you. Laugh all you want. I'm secure. (laughs) I need to go running this afternoon, Janet. But my wife, right, loves to cook. And most people, I should say most because maybe not all, but most people, right, if they had their choice between a TV instant dinner or a home-cooked meal, would, I hope and pray, choose the latter. Because there's a lot of time, there's a lot of effort, and maybe sometimes there's frustration in it, but it is just really, really good. I don't know how many times we say after a Thanksgiving meal, Christmas meal, whatever, I mean, it took way longer to prepare than it did to eat it. But man, was it good. And that's kind of what it's like, right? God knows what he's doing. And it's taking a long time. But I guarantee you it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be better for you. The disciples, though, had this expectation that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom now. But he says, nope, it's going to take a little longer. And so he challenged them. And what did they have to do? They were either going to accept it and grow and move on or not accept it 
and goes a different path. And so, for us, right, they had to change. We have to change. We have to change how we view God. They had to change how they viewed God. We have to change how we view ourselves. They had to change how they viewed themselves. We have to change how we view the world because they had to change how they viewed the world. They are no different than you and I. And so here it is with the phrase, our faith doesn't have to be pretty. Say that with me. Our faith doesn't have to be pretty. One more time. Our faith. But our expectations, our outlook needs to be shaped by Jesus and not by ourselves, our own desires. I mean, let's go back to that phrase. Our faith doesn't have to be pretty. I talked about Oswald Chambers gave a definition of faith as as a son or daughter, and he says this. Remember that faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. And so deliberate, right, is this adjective that it's done consciously and intentionally. It's carefully weighed out um, or considered. It's studied. It's It's steady in movement or action. It's fully considered. It's not impulsive. This is deliberate confidence. The state of feeling certain about the truth of something. Um, Belief that one can rely on someone or something. This firm trust. For example, my wife and I spent a little bit of time at Mahoney State Park yesterday. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you have. I hope you have. It's a great place to be. But there's this observation tower and, and I don't know who built it, but I'm going to strangle the people who built it because, but it's great for people who go up there who like it, but I don't like heights. Ah. Anyway, so we're going up this thing, and the only thing solid on the thing is the pipes and the railings. Everything else has holes in it. It's not good for someone who doesn't like heights. And so we're going up the stairs, and not only that, but it wobbles. Oh, and kids are up there wobbling. You know, hey, let's have fun. I'm going, oh, I'm tough. I'm not going to say anything. But inside, I'm freaking out. And I remember telling my wife on the way down, I said, Janet, the only thing that really keeps me going up these steps, I know I'm kind of a wimp, but the only thing that kept me going was, listen, Kev, this thing has been in existence for a long time. It hasn't fallen down yet, right? And the people that made this would not purposely make something so it would fall down. And steel is a good thing, and it's going to be secure. And that calmed, literally, seriously, that calmed me down. So I could walk up and enjoy the view. But that's this confidence we have, right? This deliberate confidence. And we have to have this confidence in something, this object. And this object for us is God. It's either going to be God or it's going to be self. And with God, we see this beautiful character that it's been faithful and and good. And all of that from clear from Genesis to Revelation And from um, when the Bible was all put together till now. And even though we don't understand what goes on in our life. And whether we have um, a 42 chapter uh, wrestling with God like Job did. Or whether we have a one chapter wrestling like David did several times in the book of Psalms. 
at the end of the day, at the bottom of our joy, at when everything else is exhausted, we come back and we stay. I'm trusting in you, God, even though I don't understand. So our faith doesn't have to be pretty, but it does need to persevere. It does need to be consistent, whether in persecution or prosperity. It does need to keep moving forward. And it does need to be our expectations and our outlook needs to be shaped by Jesus rather than self. I know that a lot of us in our church family have lived this kind of faith out for us to see. And I I want you to know that, um, that we need each other. We really, really do. I firmly believe that this is the reason why God said, let's have churches so that you can witness to the world, but that also so you can encourage and love on each other when one maybe remember that roundabout thing, you're either going into the roundabout, you're still going in the roundabout, or you're going out of it. Some of us may be out or some of us may be going in, but there's a lot of us that are going in that roundabout and we need each other to encourage and all that. And I'm going to bring Travis up because he's, um, when he shared his story with me uh, when I first got here, I mean, just loved the faith that he had that when God grabbed a hold of his life and what he did in his life. And it's just been amazing to me. And um, Travis has some things that he wanted to share with us this morning. So I'm going to give the rest of the time for him. Can I use your stand? Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hi again, everybody. Um, so I have some things that I want to share with you, as Kevin mentioned. Um, I have a bit of an announcement to make. After a lot of prayer and consideration, um, I've decided to transition from being a staff member at Finding Life Church. Um, I use the word transition because while I will, um, after the month of August, not be a paid staff member at Finding Life Church, uh, my family and I are not going anywhere. Um, and uh, I know that the next, the next natural question is, well, why have you made this decision and what's going on and what's behind it and all that kind of stuff. So, Kevin's graciously given me a lot of time so that I can uh, try to, as best I can, clearly and honestly give you all that information so that you know kind of what's going on with, with me and my family and all that kind of stuff. So um, I have notes here, and I will probably rely on them a little bit more closely than I typically do because I want to make sure that you hear everything that's in my heart and everything that, that is true. Um, first of all, it's not about Kevin in any way, shape, matter, or form. <laughs> um, I love this guy and he and I have had a great working relationship I have thoroughly enjoyed working with Kevin he has made me a better person he's made me a better man he's made me a better husband he's made me a better father and of course a better pastor um, I'll get back to, to, to that because I believe very strongly in Kevin and his leadership and there's no question in my mind that he's the right person to be leading us into the future um, so I'm not done talking about that yet, um, but I want to move forward into the reasons. Um, the things, I kind of started with, here's what it's not about, 
And so I've got a couple more of those. This is not, I'm not transitioning from the staff because of any moral failure. Um, you know, that sometimes happens in churches. And this is not any kind of moral, moral failure on my part. Um, the elders, nor Kevin, none of them asked me to, to transition. They didn't bring this to me. This was me bringing this to them. Um, it's not because of anybody at Finding Life at all. Um, anybody that's a part of our church family, like I said, we're staying. So if I had some kind of a problem with this place or with any of you, we wouldn't be staying. We would be maybe going somewhere else. Kevin was making jokes that he's like, well, you should. No, he didn't. He was like, they might react differently if you told them, like, hey, I'm taking a job at CityLine or one of these other churches. Not happening. Um, it's also not about the finances of Finding Life Church. You guys might remember a few weeks ago, uh, we made a little bit of an announcement. We said, hey, it's summertime and our giving is kind of dipped and, and we wanted to let you guys know that so that we could kind of try to get it back on track so that we could meet the budget that we agreed to as a church family. And I want you to know that the two are not related. Like me, me, me transitioning is not related to that. Um, I will tell you this. It made me feel a little bit better maybe. So I'm a people pleaser. I think most of you know that. And I don't like disappointing people. And, of course, I felt like if I told people I was transitioning off the staff that they would be disappointed um, and let down. And, and so in my head I thought, well, you know, this financial stuff might make everybody feel better about that. But it was just a rationalization on my part. Um, to be honest, if, if our budget was just fine, I would make the same decision. Uh, because it's not about that. Um, okay, so now you know what it's not about. Let me tell you what it is about. So three and a half years ago, I moved from the business world to full-time paid ministry. And as you can imagine, that's an interesting career change. It's a career change that most people don't endeavor into. So naturally, I had this ongoing conversation with myself about whether or not I was a good fit for it and whether or not it was a good fit for me. Um, and I've with that over the last three and a half years. I've wrestled with it at times feeling really confident, like this is where I'm supposed to be and this is my thing and I'm all in. And at other times feeling upside down and not knowing what I'm doing and not knowing if this is the right place or if I am even good at it or effective at it. Um, I've had all of the whole gamut of thoughts. Um, and there have been two times in the past couple of years that I've come really close to saying, you know what, I think it's time for me to transition into a different role. And um, God has just slammed the door on that about as firmly as you possibly can. The last one was just before Jake, our previous pastor, decided to resign. That was the last time that God said, nope, not right now. You need to stay put. And I'm glad that I did. Very glad that I did. Um, so I revisited it this summer and gave it some more thought. And and during that time, it it... I wasn't even thinking about it very long, and it just seemed like it happened all very fast. Um, I became convinced that it was time to make a change. I, I believe that, that above all else, God is calling me to live out my faith in the workplace, out in the marketplace. And for the first time in a long time, I felt ease and peace and, and, and comfortable making the, the decision to transition. Um, I feel really good about where the church is at right now. I feel even better about where it's going. Um, and whereas God shut the door on me two times before, this time it was really clear that he was releasing me into this. Um, I told Kevin on a Monday, and on Thursday I had a job. Um, I made one phone call to a friend uh, that I used to work with, and he offered me a position. 
and I took it. So my friend um, owns a staffing franchise. It's called Express Employment Professionals. He owns one. He just bought a second, and I'm going to be his sales guy. Um, and so my job's going to be to go out and visit businesses in Omaha and show them how Express can help them find good people for their businesses. Um, so that's going to be what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and I said this to somebody the other day. The only thing that's really going to change, I was talking to my son actually last night, and he asked me, so what's going to be different, Dad? And I said, well, really the only thing that's going to be different is what I do between 8 and 5, Monday through Friday, because nothing about the way I've chosen to live my life is going to change. I'm going to continue to live like Jesus is calling me to live. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. I'm going to point people to Jesus. I'm just going to do it in a different place. I'll have a different job. Well, somebody else is going to be signing my paychecks, but but my mission is no different. Um, I will continue to be an elder at Finding Life Church. I'll stay on the elder team. I'm going to continue to lead our first impressions team. I'm going to continue being the volunteer coordinator and helping with schedules and all that jazz. Um, no, you're going to do that? <laughs> well, we're still working through details, of course. Um, here's what I've said. I've said that, that I'm going to continue to help as many ways as I can, um, and, and we can work through all the details and stuff like that. My wife, along with Anna, they're going to be leading uh, our student life ministry, so um, we are going to be as involved as as we have been, and, and we'll just continue to be very invested. And that's an easy decision for me to make for a lot of reasons. Um, one, you guys are my family. This is not just a place I come on Sunday mornings. You guys are my family, and we'll continue to be. Um, but I also want to get back to Kevin and, and the future of Finding Life Church, and I'm going to toot Kevin's horn for a little bit. Um, I don't know if he turns red, but maybe he will. Um, I turn red. Everybody knows that. Um, the primary reason that we were excited last year uh, that God brought Kevin and Janet to Finding Life Church is because of their ability to lead us and develop us. And um, I think that maybe a good way to, to say this is I felt like they would do a good job of teaching us how to do ministry together as a family rather than just doing it for us. Um, that's the kind of leader and developer that, that Kevin and Janet have shown themselves to be. And I've seen it really play out this past year. It would have been really easy for Kevin to come in and say, all right, I'm the new pastor. Here's what we're going to do. Get behind me. Let's go. But he didn't do that. He spent time talking and listening to people, and especially with our elder team. He has been, I wish everybody could see him lead our elder team because he does a magnificent job. He does things that when I leave meetings, I'm like, ah, I would never have thought of that. Um, but he has... Um, forced us collectively to process and, and really come to a decisions together about where we think God is leading us. He has not made decisions for us. He has let us make them. And sometimes that has been slow. And it, is, it has taken a lot of discussion and a lot of things. But, but it's the best way. I have seen the group of guys that are on our elder team grow so much this past year. They, have, they are very confident in who they are and who has got, God has called them to be. Their voices are stronger. It, it, it's just been watch. So I have no question that he and Janet are the best people to be leading us into the future. Um, the other reason that we aren't going anywhere is because we're excited for the future. We're not only excited about who's leading us, but we're excited for the future. Um, I wish I could say more, and, and I don't want to put everybody to sleep, but uh, I, I mentioned that, that the three-week series that we're going to have where we're going to be kind of sharing where we think God is leading us in the future. I believe in that vision 
100% with everything that I am. Um, and I can't wait till you guys see and hear all of it as, as I have. Um, it, but it really is it's kind of simple. It ties into the message that I gave last week. It was also very, it was just very fitting that I got to deliver that sermon last week. I talked about Abraham and how God called Abraham to completely reorient his life. And for him, that meant leaving everything he knew and going somewhere else. For us, it just means reorienting the, the way that we live our lives every day and, and not where we go necessarily, but just the purpose with which we go. What is the purpose? What is God's calling on our lives? And how can we live out that purpose in the everyday stuff of life? And I think the thing that I'm excited about the most with this is that uh, I'm excited to just live that out with you, alongside you, having an 8-to-5 job like all of you guys do and doing it, um, and we can do it together. Um, so that's really about all I have. Um, if you have questions at all, and I realize not everybody's in here because, you know, we all have uh, weird summer schedules and we travel and stuff. Uh, we're going to get an email out today about this. Uh, but if you have questions, I'm going to stick around after the service. You can ask me. You can ask me anytime. If you think of one two weeks from now and you want to talk to me, um, I promise you one thing, though. There is no story behind the story. There's no, well, what's the real story? Um, this is the real story. You're hearing the whole thing. So, um, But even with that being said, ask me any question you want. I don't care. I'm, nothing's off limits. I will be around the whole month of August. We are not. We have no plans to be anywhere but here on Sunday mornings, and that'll be the case moving forward for the most part. Um, so, that's all I got. I will hand the Mikey Mike back over to my friend Kevin, and I'll get my notes out of your way. So, Travis, how often do you shave your head? You said ask you anything. I shave my head twice a week because if I, sh I shave it more often than that, it, it hurts. So let's, can you stand with us, please? Uh, this is, uh, none of us like change, and this is a big change for Finding Life Church, and I know Jasmine is there with Travis and their, and their kids, and if you would just, um, I know it'd be kind of weird for you guys to surround and put your hands on them, so don't do that, but just kind of <laughs> figuratively do that, and um, we're just going to pray for their family. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, today. God, thank you for Travis and Jasmine and their children. And God, for what, um, man, what you've shown, Finding Life Church, uh, with, through their example, God, of what it means to be a follower of yours. And um, God, I think they may have believed and may have lived that whole real is not uh, is better than perfect lifestyle and prayer, being dependent on prayer, and and living out their faith, God, with their neighbors and their friends and, and such, God. So I just pray, um, as Travis has uh, really sought you in this, Father, and has felt at peace, um, as he mentioned, God, finally, with this decision. And I pray, God, that you will bless it and honor it in their family, with Travis and Jasmine, God and us as a church family. Thank you, God, for his faithful service to us as a paid staff member. And uh, it's just been an important part of who we are, God. And we, um, on the one hand, are sad, but on the other hand, God, we're excited for this next chapter that you have us on. And excited to see Travis and hear stories about how you're using them, God, in the workplace and and just living out his faith. I'm excited to the energy that he's going to give God on the elder team and 
and to continue to be a volunteer, God, with us. So thank you, and help us as a church family, God, to move forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love on this family, would you? I know it feels kind of weird to clap when someone makes an announcement like that, doesn't it? (laughs) Yay, stepping down. No, that's not why we're clapping. (laughs) I just wanted to, uh, before we sing our last song, just briefly echo again what Travis said. There is no story behind the story. Um, You are welcome to talk to me, to our elders, any one of our elders, and um, um, to ask any kind of questions. Um, He will be uh, taking this month of August, and he'll be transitioning. Um, I think he's going to start with them tomorrow, right? Yep. And uh, he'll be transitioning in and out, helping us work through some things. Um, He'll continue, as he mentioned, to work with um, the scheduling and through first impressions. And he'll developing, we're helping us develop a team for setup, such a vital part of what we do. The rest of the things, um, we're going to kind of take some time to pray about what that looks like, who we're going to get involved with covering some of his other duties that he has so faithfully done. Uh, the elders, we have um, going to take some time to pray and to think and strategize um, what should we do in the future with another staff person. At this time, we don't have any plans to fill that position. We're going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach with this. Um, And so we're going to have a time at at a later date to properly thank Travis and Jasmine and their children for their faithful service here. Um, It's a little different, right, because they're not going anywhere, but we still want to thank thank them properly. And so be on the lookout for that. And I just want to encourage you with the last two things. August 11th is our volunteer appreciation fiesta. It is going to be exactly, (laughs) let me just tell you, there's some, Salsa-making things going to happen that night. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And a piñata, I think. I don't know. Lots of weird, crazy things. But it's going to be fun. I would love for you guys to be there. And then Travis mentioned the, the sermon series, Chapter 2. Have you ever read a book, right? And there's chapters in the book. And that first chapter, right, intrigues you. And it builds. And the next chapter builds on that. And that's kind of what this is, right? God did some amazing things in getting Fine Life Church going these can you believe right january is 10 years we're going to celebrate that together 10 years of finding life church it's awesome and so we're going to unveil chapter two i know what you guys are here to discuss so with that i don't know where your hearts are at sad joy i hope there's not joy but i guess i hope there's joy but anyway doesn't matter let's worship our god and then we'll close